Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is Positively Different Radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and Gemma. Good morning. Gemma, what are you thankful for this morning? I am thankful for the accountability of my friends. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we have a the Bible app. And yes. in the Bible app, you can do different reading programs, different reading plans with your friends who also have the app. So I'm in a group with a bunch of my friends, and our plan is to read through the entire Bible together this year. So you can track like the progress of where your friends are up to and things like that. And I had fallen a little bit behind, but this morning I woke up to like six different notifications from the Bible app from my friends that are a whole chapter ahead of me. And I was like, oh, I better do some reading this morning. <laughs> nice. So that's been really, really cool. Just so to be all your to- friends were just completely on your case, like Gemma. A L- little bit. Well, they can comments on what they've learnt from that chapter or what they found interesting and you can see where they've highlighted particular verses or they've commented on one verse and they've done like a full study through the next chapter and I was like, ooh, should probably read that. Whereabouts are you up to? We're in Exodus at the moment. Cool. Yeah. Whereabouts in Exodus? 20. So we just did the whole Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. That. Yep. Which is why it was, there were lots of notes, lots of highlighted bits, lots of good conversation and things. And I, I was like, I should probably read I can't wait to hear your uh, conversation that. when you get to Leviticus. Yeah, that, <laughs> that should be interesting. Or Ezekiel. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a bit of a long process. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. That sounds like a great thing to be a part of. Uh, let me see. What am I? You know what I'm thankful for this morning? What? Grass. Okay. Your thankful things are always so interesting. Why grass? Why not grass? Well, yeah. Okay. Do you want to be more specific or you just want to leave it at that? Yeah, just grass makes the night the world nice. <laughs> I've been missing I've been missing grass for the last what year? Wow. And now we have grass again and it's kind of nice. Okay. All right. I got to I got to use my lawnmower yesterday. I cool. I enjoy my 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 ride on lawnmower. It's like I love machines, you no know, and dead grass. You've got real and, and, and live I've got, I had something grass. I could go out and cut and chop down and spread all over the place and it was amazing. Well, that's awesome. I'm glad you've got grass. To, imagine what the world would look. Imagine what the world would look like without grass. And you think that I'm strange for being thankful for grass? I mean, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's just a small thing, but it makes the world a beautiful place. I mean, that's true. Now that I think about it, it. This is a reminder. You're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Well, I come. To the garden alone While the dew is still on the roses The voice I hear Falling on my ear The Son of God discloses And He walks with me And He talks with me And He tells me I am His own And the joy that we share as we tarry there, nobody else has ever known. He speaks, and the sound of his voice, all the birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me is in my heart. Just a ring, a ring, a ring, a ring, a ring, and he walks with me. And he talks with me 
And he tells me I am his own And the joy that we share As we tarry there Nobody else has ever known Daniel Martin Moore with In the Garden to wake everybody up this morning. Great place to go today is get out into your garden. I think there are a lot of gardens that are green with grass and greener plants. It's interesting to see the plants outside of our studio here that I thought were all dead. The whole hedge over there, I thought the whole thing was just stone dead. Yeah. And now it's starting to turn green again. I was about to say, I don't know which one you're talking about because every one the that I see one. out there is green. Okay, not the tall one, the short one. See the short one out there? Oh, yeah. That was exactly the same colour as the pine bark. Really? Entirely the same colour. Really? There wasn't a shred of green on it. But it's and so now look green. It. It's about you wouldn't know. 75% green. Wow, there you go. Yeah. Didn't die. Anyway, so spend some time in your garden. Spend some time thanking God for the rain uh, if you are in an area that is getting it, and if you are in an area that is getting rain, then please pray for those places that have not yet got any. Mm. Because there are some places that are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, we feel really bad for them. But anyway, uh, quiz, 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 quiz. What have we got? What book am I? One of 66. This book records a battle where the forest killed more people than the sword did. Okay, that you will find in going to find that in he's thinking he's writing oh you're just too good there you go that's where you'll find it right there (laughs) okay if you know the answer then give us a call right now and you can win a prize I don't get to win prizes but you can win a prize so you need to call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That is 1-800-324-843. Uh, or you can text us on 0491-064-669. If you did not get time to write those numbers down, then have a pen and paper ready in the next section. Um, you will get to write them down. Cool. Basically, 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's easy. <laughs> It's easy. Okay, Gemma, what have you got in positively different news today? Have you heard of the TV series called The Bachelor? Yes. <laughs> have I ever watched it? No. That's okay, but you understand. Would I like general- to watch it? Well, you know, I could poke myself in the eye with a <laughs> screwdriver and gouge it out. It might be more fun. 
okay. All right. So there are some strong emotional feelings <laughs> about this show. Cool. Well, I'm going to talk about it for a bit. So are you ready? All right. Get the screwdriver ready. <laughs> All right. I don't have a screwdriver handy. <laughs> Someone please bring me a screwdriver. Gemma's going to talk about The Bachelor. I'm going to talk about out my right eye. Going to talk about it contestant on the American show The Bachelor, which is happening at the moment. And um, she has boldly and proudly and confidently on air confessed, proclaimed she is a Christian. So what on earth is she doing on The Bachelor? That, that okay. So there's there's some mixed views to this. Okay, so she has said that um, everything that I think she has said is totally above board. I fully believe her. She said Jesus is her life. She wants to do uh-huh. missionary work. She uh-huh. wants to travel the world. Um, she talks about um, you know looking up to her dad, who who was the the head of the household and, and raised her and her siblings, and she wants to have um, a relationship with somebody who is Christian. She follows you know, majority of what the Bible teaches about how to live a good Christian life. And she, um, she is believes in abstinence is, before yep, marriage. Yep. And, um, she said that like on, on air to the, to the gentleman, um, to the, the bachelor and said, look, this is, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is my faith. This is what I will and will not do. This is what I want a marriage and my family to look but like. If the bachelor's she just got, laid it all out. If the bachelor's got half a brain cell, he's going to marry this chick. He said that he grew up in a Christian home. And he confessed that his faith could be stronger. He doesn't have a full relationship with Jesus anymore, but he said he's something that he'd be willing to look back into um, and do some more research on. He says he still believes in there being a God. If she's and got wants- half a brain cell, she'll run a million miles. If he's got half a brain cell, he'll marry this chick. <laughs> so it has caused a little bit of controversy, though, because there have been, yeah, some non-Christian people that are seeing the show is like, well, why is she on here? Like, we don't want her on here. Like, the whole point... You know, is is the goss, is the you know the the intrigue, the you know the relationships and, the and scandal. she said exactly. And it's she all about the scandal. And they the- finished the episode that that featured her and the date that she had with him by her saying, if he uh, is with another woman during the process of the rest of the show, I will leave the show. Cool. So that's you know cool. brought some scandal, but in a different cool. kind of way. So yep. she's fully sticking up for her belief. She's saying that if he does you know, something that I don't agree with, I'm going to leave the show. Yeah, yeah. So I guess my question is, should she be on the show? Because a lot of non-Christian people have said, no, we don't want her on here. That's okay, not so, the point. So, um, so here's, a, here's an interesting thought from a Christian perspective. Because, Gemma, you've been known to do outlandish things <laughs> in, the, in the cause of Christ before. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> maybe. Um, and it actually worked. Maybe she's gone, you know what? I'm not going to do the wrong thing. I'm a strong Christian. I know where my boundaries are. I know what I'm going to say yes to and what I'm not going to say yes to. And I guess on The Bachelor, you know, what The Bachelor does is going to be quite closely monitored so that she's actually going, you know, they're, they're going to keep the women safe mm. because, you know, they're, they're, they're putting a lot of money into this. There's not going to be, you know, any power rape or anything like that that's going to be allowed on, on, on a TV show like this. And so maybe she's thinking, I'm in a safe environment and within a safe environment, I can promote the cause of Christ. Hmm. To a whole but <sighs> It's tricky though. I can, I can I can see an argument um I can see an argument for this. How you could but at the same time it's just like really you're going to go on a seedy gossip show to that's just you know completely faked up to the max already. Mm. 
you know, the the biggest oxymoron that has ever been invented is what's called reality TV because it is all <laughs> so far from reality. And anybody who is trying to convince themselves otherwise, keep trying. But I mean, the simple um, fact the whole she, thing is scripted. But the simple fact that she's just looking for somebody, and maybe that somebody is the dude on the, the bachelor. Okay, but, like, but basically, what it comes down to is flirt to convert. Ooh. Because, because, yeah. You know, he comes from a Christian background. He would be willing to look into, you know, to revisit that if she's nice enough and if he likes her and if mm. he wants to be with her. Mm. And that's a really bad basis for a relationship from her perspective. Now, does flirt to convert work on occasions? Yes, maybe 5% of the time. Are you going to bank your future on 5%? Oof. You know? That's not great odds. And so, in many ways, if she was to get with this guy, and, and even being by being on the show, she's setting a bad example of Christianity. Christians shouldn't even consider a relationship with a non-Christian. It shouldn't even cross their mind, like, ever. If you're a, if you're a Christian, you're in a relationship with a non-Christian. Um, we have this remarkable device today. It's called the telephone. And maybe I should say this with a little bit more compassion, but I would suggest you use that telephone and break up now before you end up in a heck of a lot more pain than what you have already may have already faced. And I am dead serious about this. I am I am I am deathly serious about this. You have no idea how serious I am about this because I've spent twenty five years in ministry. I've seen the the results of mixed marriages, Christians and non Christians getting married. Over and over and over and again. And if you had seen the level of pain that I have seen, you would be saying exactly the same thing. Mm. The Bachelor's exact words in like describing his specific scenario was that uh, he too was raised in a Christian home um, and has assured uh, Madison, this girl, um, his faith is important to him. However, he admits that his faith could be stronger. So we don't know on what level, like he if, would would he classify himself as a Christian or not, or is he saying that because yeah he is interested and it's a fully flirt to convert situation, or is he already a Christian but he's just if you're already a Christian backslidden or you know like if you're already a Christian I don't think you'd be the bachelor, and if you're already a Christian you'd publicly proclaim it in exactly the same way that she has. Good point. Um, this is this is somebody who is, you know, culturally a Christian. Mm. Um, so I think it's dodgy. I do just want to read out her statement, though, because I think it's very good. But, you know, she could go on there and say, hey, I'm never going to marry the guy. I'm never going to be with the guy, but uh, I'll go on the show and I'll promote the cause of Christianity and the cause of uh, purity. And, and um, I think she does that well because I think she does that well because what she says is faith is more than just this passed down thing to me. It's literally my whole life and all of who I am. And I want, in a marriage, somebody who also has a relationship with the Lord and loves that about me and wants to raise a family in that way. How old is this chick? Maybe I could give her some recommendations. Twenty-three. I know some. I know some young men that uh, I could. I could suggest that she could um, <laughs> definitely. Uh, that are definitely devout Christians and would love to do missionary work. And and serve God. You know, stay in the cause of God. Anyway, this is uh, Randy Stonehill and Sarah Groves. Take me back. It's a duet. You're listening to the Breakfast Show on Faith FM. Bye. 
to Randy Stonehill and Sarah Groves with Take Me Back. This is The Breakfast Show. We're about to have another clue for our quiz. I did say that I would give the phone number again and give you a chance to write it down. So, Give them time to get paper and pen while I read the clue. 1-800. Then the number. Just write 1-800 down. <laughs> give yeah, you the rest in a minute. They have to get paper and pen first. They can get paper and pen and write 1-800 down. Okay. And then I will give them the next six digits. Okay. That's okay. Cool. That'll Good. work. All, All right. right. Quote. I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So what book is that from? What book is that quote from? Where is that found in scripture? That's the question. And the prize. That's actually a really good, that's a really random quiz question. But it's I a good one, though. That's a good thing, though. You don't yeah. want it too specific. Pick the most well-known verse. That's challenging. 1-800. You've already got that written down. So now write down <laughs> three, two, four, eight, four. Three. There you go. Give us a call right now if you know the answer. And if you don't know the answer, go searching and find the answer. And the prize, you're calling up to win a prize. Yes, which is? The prize is a book called The History of Tomorrow. Yes. And it unpacks a little bit about what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, the book of Daniel, the story of the statue found in Chapter 2. So, yeah, give us a call and that little book will be yours. Absolutely. If you can guess the, <clears throat> the book that the Bible quote is found in, of course. Okay, so Pope Francis has taken the uh, Roman Catholic Church back into the Dark Ages today. Wow. Today? Sometimes I have really high hopes for this guy, and sometimes <laughs> it's like, unbelievable. Uh, so he has he was considering whether to lift the ban on celibacy in the Amazon. Oh, and I read are, about that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's a number of reasons behind this. Uh, the Amazon is an area where there are very, very few priests Within the Roman Catholic Church, salvation is um, found through the sacraments, and mm -hmm. the priest is the only one who can offer the sacraments. And without those sacraments, you can lose your salvation. Oof. And so in an area where you only see a priest maybe once or once a year or once every two years, that can place your salvation on, you know, very, very shaky ground. Yeah. Uh, and so really I think that Francis here is just playing with people's access to heaven. That means your salvation is only secured if a priest is, lives near you or like however often you see a priest. Yeah, you're supposed to go to Mass, you know, once a day, once a week, that kind of thing. Oh. Um, that's one of the sacraments. You've got, you know, the, the last rites and all these different, there's a whole bunch of different things that's that so only sad. a priest can do. That's so sad. It is. Now, um, of course, he has buckled under pressure from conservatives, including the previous pope who weighed in mm. uh, by placing his name uh, on a book that was defending celibacy in the priesthood um, and said, yep, we were thinking about it, making some exceptions in the Amazon for married men to be ordained as priests, but we have now changed our minds and that will now not happen. Mm. Now, there is a reason why... Child abuse, and yes, we're going to go there because the two are linked. The uh, Royal Commission here in Australia has shown a direct link between the issue of celibacy and the confessional mm. and child abuse. There's yeah. a reason why it's 20 times, up to 20 times higher in some regions uh, in the Catholic Church than in the Anglican Church. Yeah. You know, those are our two biggest churches here in Australia, and that's a, that's a massive difference. You have, you have to have an explanation for it. You have to understand why. Um, and, and really here, you know, Francis had the opportunity to do something very constructive about reducing uh, child abuse or sin. 
within his church. Because the reality is that celibacy is actually incredibly rare within the Roman Catholic Church. It's incredibly rare. Really? Within the priesthood. Absolutely. But isn't the whole point? There are very large organizations out there that, you know, are providing for support for children of priests and all this kind of thing. And we, and we, we found that, you know, it's, you know, sex is one of those things that human beings just, it's just a part of being a human being and human beings just do it. Yeah. And so by letting people marry rather than having a mistress or doing the wrong thing, then you're removing sin from the whole equation. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you, and you, and and you don't have all of the children that are growing up who whose father is a priest and the you know the issues that that carries um you know there is so much there is so much good that comes from marriage. You have stable homes, you have you know two or the possibility of a stable home, the possibility of uh, two biological parents um all of that. Yeah. And you know when you find a you know somebody who's willing to be a priest and they're willing to make self you know to sacrifice and to be there for others, these are very very eligible bachelors. They're going to be you know decent guys if they're out there to serve. You you know as a, as a woman, I think somebody who is willing to serve is a good person to be with. And of course, they're all going to waste because they're not allowed to. Mm. Um. <clears throat> Okay, so uh, instead of ordaining priests, he has said that we need to have a rec- recruitment drive for more priests. Okay, so this is a great recruitment drive. Um, you know, um, we need you to. We need more priests in the Amazon, but you don't ever get to marry and have um, you know normal sexual relationships. You know, who's who's going to be? Yeah, who's, always like, else. oh, pick me, pick me. No, that's not <laughs> going to be happening. And this is something else that is interesting because there is a distinct shortage of clergy in the Roman Catholic Church, whereas in evangelical churches, there's actually a surplus. Really? And this actually, is the, that makes sense. This is yeah. the issue right here. No, I sounded surprised, but then there I thought about no it. There is no way that in a million sense. years would I have gone into ministry if my church had had celibacy for the priesthood. Hmm. Just wouldn't have had it happen. What's the biblical ever. basis for that? There is no biblical basis for it. It's, it's, uh, it's based on tradition, and it's just something that's been around for like a thousand years. And uh, because it's been around for a thousand years, people are like, well, that's the way it has to be. No, it doesn't. If there was a biblical basis for it, then Pope Francis would not have the right to change it. But because there isn't, and because it's just a tradition of his church, he can change it, make up any tradition that he wants. But he caved to pressure. He caved to pressure. Okay, so 85% of Amazonians cannot attend a regular mass. Um, and so my you know, thought right here, if you want to stay Roman Catholic, or stay Catholic, then join the um, Eastern Rite because they don't have this problem. And of course, you know, when have you heard of um, you know Orthodox, you know, the the, the abuse scandals in the Orthodox Church? Hmm. Uh, there's a difference. They have married priesthood. You know, very very simple. Peter, who the Roman Catholic Church claims was the first pope, but he actually wasn't. But they <laughs> claimed that he was. He was married. The Bible says so. Um, Jesus' first miracle that he ever did was done to bless a marriage. And so if you look down through the history of celibacy, uh, it doesn't begin until about 400 years after the time of Christ. It's actually not that long ago. In which Pope uh, Syricus said that popes cannot have sex. Mm -hmm. So what what was wrong with sex? I have no idea, but he said popes can't do that. Um, Then you come down to 567. So now you're looking at 500 years after the time of Christ. 
priests cannot have sex or sleep in the same bed as their wives. So now it's you can be married, but you just can't have sex. It was never really enforced. Um, in 604, you've got Gregory, um, who Pope Gregory, who said that all sexual desire is sinful. I'd love to know where he found that in the Bible. He obviously did not read the Song of Solomon. <laughs> the Song of Solomon is so raunchy. It's all about a really healthy sexual relationship, and the Bible would not be complete without it. In 1074, uh, Gregory VII said priests must divorce in order to be ordained. Once again, you know, it was not really that strictly enforced, but by 1094, uh, Pope Urban II came along, and he was a bit of a conservative guy, and any priests that he found who were married, he sold their wives and their oh. children as slaves. Whoa. Just sold them off, make the church wealthier. Wow. Uh, 1123, Callistus II um, stated that all clerical marriages were invalid, and that's where celibacy really became a thing. Yep. Um, and 1139, Pope Innocent II confirmed the above, and most people date celibacy from 1139. <clears throat> Okay, so moving on from there, um, you have uh, yeah a few other interesting dates down through history. You come down to more modern times. In 1930, uh, Pius XI said that sex can be good. Okay. Can, can be. Can be. It can be good. That sounds counterintuitive to everything else they've said. Yeah. And Pius XII ordained a converted Lutheran pastor who was married. Hmm. So things start to liberalize around then. By 1962, John XXIII um, stated that marriage equals virginity. In other words, if you're married and you are monogamous, then that that's the same category as virginity. Um, in 1966, Pope Paul VI um, made certain dispensations for celibacy. So there was you know times when you did you know when when married people could be ordained and so forth under special circumstances, which is what they've been pushing for in the Amazon. Uh, in nineteen seventy eight, John Paul II put a put a froze a freeze on all dispensations, which is why we have the problem in the Amazon today. But anyway, down through history, uh, just a couple of other things that are um, worth noting. There have uh, been eleven popes who were the sons of other popes and priests. Huh. A lot of people don't realize that. There have been six popes who had illegitimate families. Wow. Um, the last one as recent as 1585 that, that were recorded. These numbers are higher than I was expecting. Uh, there have been seven popes whose actual marriages are recorded. Uh, the last recorded marriage of a pope was in 1449, uh, which wasn't really that long ago. That's mm. just over, you know, five, six hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah. And by the 15th century... 50% of priests were still married. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is a relatively, it's medieval, but it's relatively um, modern within the Catholic Church. Pope Francis had a golden opportunity to do something about it. It will probably never come up again during his papacy now that he has made this decision. And I think that that is a tragedy for Christianity in general. This is Ron and Paddy Valiant with Song of Solomon. Well chosen, producer Shell. Rise up my love. 
Welcome back, everybody. That was Ron and Patty Valiant with Song of Solomon. Very, very appropriate song to be singing here or to, to be listening to in relationship to the last uh, subject that we were talking about. But uh, we've come to interview of the daytime. Camilla has joined us. Camilla Scaff, we're super excited about that. And before we go to Camilla, we have a clue for our quiz. So, Gemma, what have you got for us? I tell how Israel suffered three years of famine because of the wickedness of Saul and his household. Mm, there you go. So which book? Which book is that found in? If you know the answer, 1-800-324-843. Give us a call right now and you will get a copy of History of Tomorrow. Yes. Uh, or text us on 0491-064-669. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Camilla, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yes, it's super excited to have you here on the program today. And, of course, Camilla Scaff is the uh, health director for the North New South Wales region um, of the Adventist Church. And um, she comes. she's going to be coming on once a month to talk about good health and good diet, good lifestyle, all those kind of things. Where are we getting started today, Camilla? Well, I think people might be wondering, what is a health director and what do they do? So I just want to clarify that for those that are listening this morning. Uh, My role is to empower whole person health, not only within the church community, but within our surroundings. So it's all about building a very beautiful, healthy, and happy environment. And a little bit about self-sustainability and the world sustainability, because you are no good to save the planet if your health or if you're going down. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that today. So you're employed by the church to actually work for the community. That's right. That's what I do. That's pretty cool. That's yes. pretty cool. I think that's I think that's a great uh, initiative by the church here in this region to have somebody who's actually employed to, to do that. You, you, you're not there to work for the church as much as you are just like, we're here for the community and to uh, facilitate good health. That's right. And a lot of people get misconceptions. They think that the church do things or offer things just for itself for like, so if it's an Adventist event, it's just for Adventist church or if it's a, you know, and we are actually very clear about offering things for everyone. So if you come across a health event on your region, go for it. It will Fantastic. be good quality and it's open for all. Yes, and you won't be going along there and like, oh, is, am I the only person here, here who here who is not a Christian? There'll be lots of people there from lots every, of Christians. every different background of life. Yes, and not Christians, and, and non Christians as well, and other religions, and yes, no religion. We get all points of views. We call different worldviews, but when we're together, we usually are there because we are interested in a topic, and the topic of today, I believe, is in a big interest of many, many people. Yes. What would you think it is? Um, um, what do you do every day? Something you do every day unavoidably. Oh, eat, 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 eat. Eat. We, I mean, we did talk last time about the top priorities of Australians for 2020. Yes. And eating well is on the very top of the list. 
alongside with fitness and getting more fit. This was for uh, New Year's resolutions and all that kind of stuff. The, the number one. The number one and the number two. The number one and number two. So, and I wanted to actually ask you too, because I remember you weren't sure. I caught you off guard. But have you thought about your New Year resolution? What would that be? Would that be within those 10 things that we talked about? And it was mainly about health. Well, Gemma had a New Year's resolution to read the whole Bible through in one year. Um, and she's one chapter behind as of this morning. So just calling her out on it. I'm so working just, just, on it. Just thank you. Holding her okay. feet to the fire on that one. Give her a break. It's still before eight o'clock. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. Finally, somebody else who can like help me when you're being super sassy. I'm here for you, Gemma. Thank you. I really appreciate I'm just, that. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just diverting. But on the subject here. of other, I'm going to bring it back. On the subject of no, other not, New Year's resolutions, they were my top two as well. Like after the Bible, my next ones was to just be better with my food and yeah just be more healthy do some more exercise interesting enough that you mentioned the bible because the bible does talk about an optimal diet as a matter of fact mm. on the very chapter very first first chapter of the bible so in the book of genesis chapter one god when he created men and women he does say what is the diet that they should follow and so that was the very first diet. And the topic of today, I guess, if we're talking about food, is why is that that we are constantly looking for diets? And when you talk about eating well, immediately, I'm sure that the word diet comes to your head at some point. Um, so we're going to be talking about the pressure that we get today from the environment and um, it used to be that people were like, oh, people are going on a diet because they want to look like Barbies. <laughs> and so it was a lot of pressure, external pressure from the media. We ended up with, um, you know, uh, anorexia and... That's know, right. Kind of and it pulled, like it was the opposite. And But lately, you probably would be aware that the doctors are now prescribing for people to lose weight as well and to, you know, take care of their health. But because there's not as much as education on optimal diet and what we're designed for, there are also a lot of confusion. And so people get stressed about what they need to eat and they need to lose weight because everyone's telling them lose weight, lose weight. And they're dealing with a lot of guilt too because they try and try and they go on different diets and that doesn't work. And so that brings more pressure and anxiety. So the question is, from the Bible, what does God say that would be our optimal diet? And that's a tricky question. There are a few different diets that you find in the Bible. I mean, you've got the Garden of Eden diet, you've got the post-Garden of Eden diet, you've got the post-flood diet, you know, things kind of change through the Bible. That's right. And that's what I want to bring it up, because some people might be asking, why are the people that following the Bible eating the animals of the planet and not complying with being sustainable, right? And mm -hmm. that's a big vegan movement happening. And mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of vegans might be listening to us and asking that question. 20% of Australians self-identify as vegetarian at some level. That's right. So well, I want of, to bring that question. A lot of vegetarians eat chicken and fish. Oh. I've never seen that as being a vegetable. I haven't seen the chicken, but I have been in restaurants before that I said, do you have any vegetarian options? And they would say, yeah, we've got the fresh fish of the day today. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. Yeah, All right, yeah. thank I, you. I, I grow fish in my veggie garden. <laughs> so um, let's bring back again. Lyo, you made a wonderful point that I want to clarify today. So the Bible does bring different diets mm -hmm. because God navigates 
through our circumstances. Yes. But let's talk about what was in Genesis 1, chapter 1, mm -hmm. verses 29 and 30. Maybe Gemma can read it for us. It talks about what was the first diet of the Bible, which means that was the optimal when we were just made. Perfect. Okay, and this is also going to be, because this was the diet that existed before sin. That's right. So therefore it will be the diet that will exist after sin. That's right. So this is what we're going to eat for eternity in heaven. Yes. Where there is no death. Yes. You're going ahead. You just uh, people are curious. They want to see what the Bible says. Let's see what the Bible yeah, says. I, I love telling. I love telling. Before we read this, I love telling um, Christian people um, who are um, you know, heavy meat eaters um, that in heaven that they won't be eating meat ever, 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 ever again. That they'll be completely plant based diet and just watching their brains melt. And it's like, well, how can you have death in heaven? It's like, yeah, but it's heaven. How, how can, you know, <laughs> it just just does their heads in every time. That's right. You like to tickle them. Okay, yeah. let's. And we're gonna find out that it might be a challenge for people um, to cope while they're here. Yes. Genesis 1, verses 29 and 30, Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And this is what happened. Okay, so that's pretty clear. Seeds, fruits, and plants. That's so it. that was it. And it was like, okay, that's what I've given to you. And that has shown that Actually, when looking to physiology and what whole food plant-based diet is talking about today in science, it is right aligned. But there was a little bit difference, as Lyle mentioned before, that was before sin. That's right. But then sin comes into the world and it actually, funny enough, comes through food. <laughs> it does. In a way. Yeah. You know? It does. Yeah. And so um, Eve goes and she eats of the fruit of the tree that God had says, you eat all of it. And it's that's what I like about God's diet. It's an abundant diet. Mm. All of the fruits, all of the trees, the greens and, and the seeds. And did they have to plant anything? No. No. It was everything perfect. They didn't have to do anything. Then Eve got decept deceived, right? And then she deceived Adam. And then God has now to adjust his plan based on their choices, correct? And so what happens on chapter two when God is saying, oh, dear, now we've got to have a plan for you because I don't want to exterminate you. As I told you before, that if you did eat that, you would die. And he was, by the way, not giving them a, he didn't want them to die. He was giving them a warning. And sometimes when the Bible talks about curses, we think that God just wants to curse us. No, he's talking about what's going to happen before it happens because These he knows. the natural results of uh, sin in the That's world right. are going to be bad. So, Lyo, it comes to the question for you on chapter 2, um, and actually that fall, in chapter 3, actually, verses 18 and 19, what happens then? Gemma, you can read it to us and since you're already there. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from where you were made. For you were made dust, to dust you shall return. Absolutely. So God adds in vegetables. I think the big difference here is that with a lot of the vegetables that we eat, say for instance, a carrot. Mm. If you eat a carrot, you kill the plant. Mm. And the, the difference that I see between um, pre-sin and post-sin is that death comes about, you know, is introduced post-sin. There's no death. You know, um, fruits, grains, and nuts that you've got before sin, there's no death in that. 
But now you have death um, because, you know. And you, you know something you, you that I was thinking carrot. when you mentioned the carrot? Like these vegetables don't have seeds. I mean, they have seeds yeah, yeah, they have like seeds. to plant. But, but not seeds that you eat. No, exactly. So mm. imagine like when you think about like a, a fruit, for example, they have lots of seeds. When you plant them, it's like one fruit, even if you eat it, you can still get all the seeds and there's like multiplication. But when you're eating, like for example, the greens, when we read the first chapter, the animals were the beasts they're all eating the greens, right? The, yes. the grass, the things on the floor. Yes. And now God is sort of saying, yes, you're going to have to eat that. And I also think that when you think about the food that animals eat, it's also um, stronger in terms of protein. So like, you know, the things um, like the green, the dark green stuff, they got a lot of proteins and lots of um, carbohydrates, for example, to give more energy because now... The man needs to plant everything. He needs to harvest. He needs, it's a lot of labor. So I think that God had to adjust a little bit the diet to give a little bit more energy and strength yes. to move forward. Yes. Does that, yes. So that, that's yes. one of the reasons. We don't know everything because we're not God, but I'm sure God had good reasons to change and tweak the diet for us. Um, and so the world is less perfect. Sin has degraded the world. It has degraded humanity. Mm-hmm. And humanity now needs to actively exercise to have good health. And so the, the, it's going to be harder to grow. It's going to be harder to deal with. And, and, and God gets human beings. You know, he's got them active in the Garden of Eden, but now he gets them working hard. Working hard. By the sweat of their brow, the Bible says. Yes. So that's and hard work. It's not because God wants us to suffer. And it's because you, he wants us to have good health. That's right. And if you find out more about God, you're going to understand that it's for sustainability. It must be done. And here's what's interesting, because that system lasts for around about 6,000 years. And it's only in modern times that we have managed to circumvent God's system through technology. That's right. <laughs> but we, let's talk about, because people are still asking the question, when did God say to eat animals? Because there is yes. a place in the Bible that God says, okay, you can now eat animals. And a lot of people struggle with that. How could a God that created animals and love animals and love the earth to tell people, okay, now you can eat animals? So it's interesting because shortly after sin comes, it doesn't take long until God needs to find another provision for man because they are basically killing each other. Like they're just, get, they're going to be exterminated very soon because they're just being not sustainable in their living. And then God needs to make a plan. And what is the plan? Well, the plan is, and it comes in about uh, near about 1700 years after um, the fall. Mm. And that is at a time period where God is going to wipe out all vegetation that exists on the planet. Um, and so you've got the flood of Noah, which wipes out you know all vegetation, and of course food is going to be scarce. God recognizes that human beings are going to have to vary their diet to survive, and so He adds in um, He adds in 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 flesh, meat. That's right. It's interesting, and that's the last verse for today on Genesis nine, and it basically says that. God says, okay, you pr- there's nothing to eat and you can eat and it had a provision because the animals that God says that he was allowed to eat, there were doubles in the ark. That's right. And he says, okay, you can eat those. And But there was a provision. It was, a sh- it was meant to be a short term. And how do we know that? Good question. Okay. 
Are we going to talk about it another time? Maybe we can come back. Maybe you can. Can you hang around for a little bit? Because we have yes. to move on with our news. Okay, absolutely. I'll yeah. hang out. All right. Because right. I want to finish this conversation. It's a really important conversation. And it actually connects somewhat with our Bible study as well. But right now we have uh, Melissa Rotto with Get Up and Run. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. to Faith FM, positively different radio. Hi, I'm Peter Beamish, a senior education lecturer at Avondale University College. Teaching is the best career because I get to work with young people to make a real difference in their lives. At Avondale University College, we prepare you to help students with learning and well-being. And last year, 86% of Avondale teaching graduates were employed within four months of graduating. So join me in making a difference. We can change the world one classroom at a time. Called to be a teacher? Called to be at Avondale. We have this hope that burns within our hearts. Hope in the coming of the Lord. We 
must alone impart faith in the promise of his word. We believe the time is here when the nations far and near shall awake and shout and sing hallelujah Christ is King. We have this hope that burns within our hearts, hope in the coming of the 